Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York on January 10th, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Starting in Port Jeff this morning, Carl McGowan reports that Port Jefferson officials have been awarded a $3.75 million federal grant to help slow erosion of a steep cliff before it collapses a clubhouse and tennis courts at a village-owned golf club. Erosion at the top of the East Beach Bluff has crept to within a few feet of the foundation of the Port Jefferson Country Club clubhouse, village officials said, and Senator Chuck Schumer said as they announced the grant from the Federal Emergency Management Agency. The grant will help pay for a $9 million project to add steel plates at the top and bottom of the bluff and plant vegetation to stem further erosion. Here in Southampton, Brendan J. O'Reilly reports that a man who worked at the Hamptons Center for Rehabilitation and Nursing for 11 years was arraigned on Friday, January 6, on four felony charges related to, authorities said, the attempted sexual abuse and attempted rape of one of the nursing home residents. Isaiah Q. James, 33, of Mastic Beach, pleaded not guilty in Southampton Village Justice Court and was ordered jailed until he could post bail of $100,000 cash or credit or $200,000 bond. James is due back in Village Justice Court tomorrow. And following up on a story in East Hampton, uh, Michael Wright reports that an investigation by East Hampton Town Police detectives into a bullet that struck a Wainscott home in August has concluded that the bullet came from an assault-style rifle fired a mile away at the the Maidstone Gun Club. A detective's report made public on Friday evening by the plaintiffs in a lawsuit seeking to have the gun club permanently closed down points to an inept shooter who is not following the gun club's safety procedures and poor design and maintenance of the safety fail-safes at the range as factors that led to at least two bullets reaching a merchant's path home about a mile away. The report also seems to indicate that there is evidence that bullets flying off the gun club's outdoor rifle range have gotten past the wooden barricade that was supposed to stop them from leaving the range in the past. The owners of Merchant Path Homes have reported bullets hitting their homes on at least eight separate occasions since 2004. The report by Detective Luke McNamara was filed on October 20, but it was only added to the lawsuit file on Friday by attorneys for the five Merchants Path homeowners who filed the lawsuit in November ahead of a hearing on Monday, January 9th, on the court-imposed restraining order that has forced the entire gun club closed for more than a month. The club had voluntarily closed the rifle range since August 5th when a bullet struck the home at 157 Merchants Path, owned by Roxana and Christinelle uh, Pintily. Excuse me if I pronounced that incorrectly. Uh, security cameras at their home captured the distant sound of gunfire and then the high-pitched zing of two bullets whizzing past the cameras, one of them impacting the roof with a sharp whack sound as two workers in the property's rear yard scramble for cover and holler for the shooting to stop. Police recovered a uh, 30 cal bullet from the roof of the home. Officers reported that the bullet appeared to have been coming from a southerly, uh, southerly direction. In the home security video of the incident, a second bullet can be heard passing the house, but the police report says the bullet has not been found. 
the surveillance cameras at the Maidstone Gun Club a mile to the south from the Pintillas home showed that at the same time, two men were firing 30 cal rifles at AR-15 and AR-10 at the club, the club's rifle range. The rifle range at Maidstone Gun Club consists of an enclosed shooting area with five shooting stands. Each has a seat and table on which shooters are supposed to sit and rest their gun in front of a concrete tube. Concrete tubes are intended to ensure shots are aimed directly downrange. Beyond the end of the approximately 20-foot concrete tubs is a wooden baffle across the top of the range intended to stop any errant bullets that might escape the tubes on a trajectory out of the range. The rest of the 200-yard range is open air. A 40-foot-tall earthen berm caps the end. McNamara's reports... Uh, report says that when the shooting range was examined on August 5th, there was evidence of misaimed bullets having ricocheted off the inside of the concrete tubes and some having struck the wooden protective baffle, leaving freshly splintered wood and of others having passed cleanly through the timbers. The surveillance video of the shooting cage, the detective says, also shows one of the men was firing his weapon while standing up rather than seated at the tables, a violation of the mandatory club policy. The video, McNamara said, also shows the men struggling to get the weapon sighted properly. The report identifies the two shooters by name, but the names are redacted in the copy of the report filed with the lawsuit. It indicates that one of the men is a West Hampton resident and that an East Hampton Town police detective and two Federal Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms agents visited the man at his home, but he refused to cooperate or allow them to examine his gun, preventing the bullet recovered from the house being uh, from being positively matched. One of the merchant's path homeowners told members of the Wayne Scott Citizens Advisory Committee last summer that they had been told by police at the time that the video from the gun club shooting area had indicated that a man from West Hampton had been firing an assault weapon that had, that had apparently been illegally modified in some way. The report says the overhead baffle was supposed to have stone between the wooden timbers intended to stop bullets that struck it. It says the gun club's board of directors had been told by the engineers who built the baffle that there was stone, but the detectives say there is no stone in the baffle and that there was evidence of two bullets having recently passed cleanly through the wood on an upward trajectory. Uh, Reading the weather in Jamesport this morning in honor of... um, a South Shore artist who I believe might have one of his uh, works at um, William Riss Gallery and Underwriter here on the heart who introduced me to this person, Steve Zalewski, joining us at the bottom of this hour, looking like partly sunny with a high near 42 in Jamesport today, northwest wind 8 to 11 miles per hour tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 26 degrees, north wind around 8 miles per hour becoming northeast after midnight. Right now, it is freezing, below freezing. It's 27 degrees. I am Gianna Volpe, and I am excited to play a listener's request. This entire playlist was planned around a request by Nathan over in uh, New Haven, who asked for Stevie Wonder's performance of Alfie, uh, Alfie as he introduces President Obama back in 2012, I believe, uh, PBS video. I'll be playing from uh, as Bert Bacharach and Hal David received the 2012 Library of Congress Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Stevie Wonder. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
what's it all about? Alfie, is it just for the moment that we live? Yeah.
One and only Stevie Wonder, live from the White House in 2012, performing Alfie, as requested by Nathan of New Haven. I'm Gianna Volpe of the Heart of the East End. This is Lily Allen, and you, whoever you are out there, you're about to hear the Hot Studio segment, underwritten by Peconic Landing, in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, Alfie from Lily Allen's All Right Still record of 2006. On Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
festival was over The boys were all planning for a fall The cabaret was quiet Except for the drilling in the wall The curfew had been lifted And the gambling wheel shut down Anyone with any sense had already left town He was standing in the doorway Looking like the jack of hearts He moved across the mirrored room Set it up for everyone, he said Then everyone commenced to do What they were doing before he turned their heads Then he walked up to a stranger And he asked him with a grin Could you kindly tell me, friend, what time the show begins? Then he moved into the corner, face down like the jack of hearts. Backstage, the girls were playing five cards, stood by the stairs. Lily had two queens, she was hoping for a third to match her pair. Outside the streets were filling up, the windows open wide. A gentle breeze was blowing, you could feel it from inside. Lily called another bed and drew up the jack of hearts. Big Jim was no one's fool, he owned the town's only diamond mine. He made his usual entrance. Looking so dandy and so fine With his bodyguards and silver cane And every hair in place He took whatever he wanted to And he laid it all to waste But his bodyguards and silver cane Were no match for the jack of hearts Rosemary combed her hair And took a carriage into town Slipped in through the side door Looking like a queen without a crown She fluttered her false eyelashes And whispered in his ear Sorry darling that I'm late But he didn't seem to hear He was staring into space Over at the jack of hearts I know I've seen that face somewhere Big Jim was thinking to himself Maybe down in Mexico or a picture upon somebody's shell. But then the crowd began to stamp their feet and the house lights did dim. And in the darkness of the room there was only Jim and him staring at the butterfly who once held the jack of hearts. Cutting in to Dylan with Deep apologies. We'll save the rest of the track after our hot studio segment underwritten by Peconic Landing. Uh, you may not know this man's name, but you've certainly seen his work somewhere uh, along your travels. Welcoming Steve Zalewski uh, from the South Shore to the hot studio segment underwritten by Peconic Landing. Uh, I, I was looking at uh, the entities and the places where your work is displayed and there's uh, not many places that your work is not. Uh, good morning and welcome to the show, Steve. 
Oh, I have to cut him in. Hold on one moment. Precious as a child. She did whatever she had to do. She had that certain kind of flash in her smile. She'd come away from a broken home at lots of strange affairs. With men in every walk of life, which took her everywhere. But she never met anyone quite like the Jack of Hearts. Rosemary started drinking hard and seeing her reflection in the knife. She was tired of the attention, tired of playing the role of Big Jim's wife. <laughs> All right, so Steve, are you there now? Yes. Oh, yes. Hello. Good morning. Welcome, and thank you for being with us. I was just telling everyone how uh, how far and wide your work can be found. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, getting into creating magnetic sculpture in the first place? Um, perhaps take us back to Stony Brook University. Well, I was a uh, engineering major at Stony Brook, and I grew bored with it, just doing calculus all day, and I decided I didn't want to spend my life in an office doing engineering and started taking art classes, much to my uh, father's dismay, because he wanted me to be an engineer. But I did it anyway, and I decided it's my life. I, at 19 years old, I decided Amen. I want to be an artist, and right. I've done everything I could to be one, and it worked. So how about your father? Did he ever come to... Uh, embrace your decision and your uh, artistic path? <laughs> That's a good question. I think he did. He accepted it. But uh, I can remember, you know, later on in life, because, no, you would have made a great engineer. And I said, well, Dad, I do en- I engineer all my sculptures. Yes. They're all over the world. And, you know, I did accomplish a lot. You did. and, and So, you-, you know, that's the battle with fathers. Sons, you right? Know. <laughs> with generations. My mom was very artistic. She could do anything with music and art, and but she died young. So I figured, you know, I might too. So that is so incredibly deep. My dream. That is so deep, and in and such a beautiful way that you uh, honored your mother's life in your work. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the marriage between art and engineering in what you do? Well, I started out being a painter. You know, I was drawing and painting since I was probably 15. and I started showing out in the Hamptons and Montauk, probably late 70s. And then I morphed through people I met at Stony Brook uh, into sculpture because I liked to build. I was, uh, you know, I learned woodworking in my dad's basement workshop. and I just liked to make things. It made me feel good. Mm-hmm. I would get an idea in my head. I would just create it, and satisfaction is just incredibly good. So I pursued it, and uh, I'm always trying to invent new things and new shapes and new color combinations and new meaning. And uh, I do such a huge variety of different kind of pieces just to keep myself interested and, you know, experiment. I do uh, experiments in art as much as I can, you know. I think it's so, uh, you know, you mentioned the word satisfaction, I think. Uh, But, man, it must be satisfying because I'm thinking about 
the engineers I know, and uh, many times you don't get to uh, get into the actual creation of whatever it is that you're designing. Uh, so how yes. how lucky for you that you get to see something from from concept to uh, to creation. And you know, I saw that too because I was very interested in architecture. I did some uh, home building, you know, part of a crew in the Hamptons and Nassau County and Manhattan. And uh, yeah, I could see that you know the uh, architects and stuff they have to. Uh, basically do what the clients want unless maybe they're like the biggest architect in the world. They can do what they want. But I figured, you know, art, that way I can do what I want. Right. You know, it's, that's the best thing for me, you know, do what I want all the time. When did you get your first big break? Uh, you know, I was looking at where you can find your work. I mean, as far as corporate collections like Bank of America, Nike, AT&T, Pfizer, uh, it seems like everyone's got a piece of uh, what you make. Uh, what was the first big project that you got? Well, I started uh, showing my big sculptures in uh, West Hampton Beach, down in the village at the Renneth Gallery, because they had an outdoor front lawn. I put big sculptures. And I was making them with leftover wood, and eventually I started showing in Southampton on Job's Lane. And then various different places. And basically in New York City, I started doing shows, even the trade shows, the uh, art expos. And eventually I hooked up with some galleries in Soho and did uh, one-man shows. And I had my band play. So I play harmonica and I sang a bit. Nice. For fun. And uh, I guess, you know, through I met at the art fairs, I did... Uh, big piece for Nike out in uh, Oregon at their corporate headquarters. And then eventually, you know, I met all the art dealers and uh, art consultants, corporate art consultants through these uh, art fairs in Manhattan for 30 years. And that's how, and my Soho dealer uh, spread my stuff all over Europe and I did a show in Hong Kong, was very successful, sold all my bronze pieces, went to Australia, went surfing, and, you know, I ever had extra money. I took surfing vacations to tropical places. Nice. You know, Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. Fiji. Gorgeous. Puerto Rico, all around America. Yeah, I used to surf a lot, but not lately. That's all right. And now I just go in the water and splash around. That's fine. Waves, you know. <laughs> I think what's the with the natural progression is like then you you go to like the longboards. What are those called? Yeah, well, when we were kids, we started with the longboards. That's all there was, and eventually, when we broke our boards, we would cut them down and make them smaller. And then shortboard revolution of surfing came in a different kind of surfing. And uh, I like to do both. But, uh, you know, past 10 years, I haven't really been in the water much other than to uh, swim and stuff. Did you build I your own? I had a bad did... accident in my van oh, and no. I got banged up. I couldn't jump to my feet because in surfing, if you you have to jump to your feet in a second or less than a second to make the wave. And it's, <laughs> it gets hard to do when you're my age. 
you know, and that's so. that's that's life, right? And then you know, you adapt, you figure, you, you do different things. Exactly. Um, you know, so I took up uh, playing music more often and just making art full time, and uh, basically, it's been a wild, fun ride. It got me around the world a bit, and uh, I mean, you know, I was born to have fun. That's right. And hey, so, you know, uh, we'll bring it back home, which is the way that we got connected was I saw one of your pieces. um, Mary Cantone sent it through Instagram. And I said, hey, who's that? Uh, How did you get hooked up with Mary and William Risk Gallery? Do you have a piece over there or was she just sharing your work because it's great? Um, I've had pieces there on her front lawn on Route 25 for years. Okay. And I just moved uh, most of my pieces to uh, the White Room Gallery in Bridgehampton. Got it. Okay. So I just met Andrea and uh, Kat. So I'll see. They have a great location. I'll see what they can do. Very cool. Mary at William Risk Gallery has a great location, too. I've had more success with... uh, you know, selling my work on the South Fork for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I lived in Montreal a few times, which was heaven for being a surfer. Yes. And I did the uh, outdoor art fair, you know, I don't know, probably in the late 70s. Yeah, do you mind taking us I've back been, and uh, talking a little bit about Montauk in the 70s? The good old days? It was great. <laughs> it was just basically fishermen and surfers. Yeah. You know, we could live at the trailer park cheap. And surf right there and walk out to Cavitz and Cove. It was perfect. It was heavenly. But I never found a way to make enough money to stay out there. Mm. That was the hard part. Right. Especially so I came back up island where there's plenty of work. And uh, I got to work in the city. And eventually I did uh, you know props and sets for TV commercials for a while, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I started showing in the galleries and... Did a lot of work in uh, New Jersey. What did North you do New in Jersey? Jersey? It was a, a gold mine. Oh, yeah? Tell me more. That's where I grew up. In, uh, uh, north uh, shore of Nassau County, uh, the five towns in Nassau. Right. North Jersey, Westchester, Rockland County, they were all my uh, major uh, collectors. And then I expanded to California and Florida and Chicago. Vegas and Miami, and now I saw most of my work actually in the Palm Beach area. Huh? You know, it's so funny because yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm, I, I love to go to Palm Beach. I just did a giant wall sculpture for weird. an oceanfront home in Palm Beach. Oh, very nice at a private it's home. Fourteen by fourteen feet with vines and giant butterflies. Oh, cool! It's just gorgeous. You know, I'm I'm realizing that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be, uh, you know, going around and I'm going to be seeing your work where I've probably seen it before, but I hadn't make, made the connection. Uh, what are you working on now before I let you go? I'm working on a, uh, a figure sculpture now. I just finished a, a an abstract flame piece and I just finished a, uh, a broken heart sculpture. And now I'm doing a uh, a figure piece holding a ball. It's got like a ball player. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, I, I vary what I do constantly to keep myself excited. Right. You know, That's I wanted basically to... basically it, you know. It's like... My last grew question... Grew up being a remote control generation kid, so I keep... Change is good. Yes. I don't want to do the same thing. Every day for my whole life. You know? And that's like the last what question. The last question. And that's I have. how I play music too. I don't like to ever play the same songs. I just love to improvise. And same thing with my art. I wanted to it's know the ultimate freedom, Steve. Um, I wanted to know if you love the challenge of uh, bringing someone else's vision to life, uh, or, uh, like. Almost as much, or maybe even more. Well, I collaborate more. with clients occasionally. If, like the uh, the big uh, butterfly sculpture, they uh, sent me a picture of the location, and it was going in front of giant glass windows with a tiny little wall to attach to. And um, they had they told me that the client loves butterflies. They had already bought two of my wall sculptures. So I said, all right. So I sat down and I drew pictures of butterfly designs and sent them off. And they loved it. So I got the job through my art dealer. And uh, I created it. I enlisted one of my friends' help. And took a couple of months, but we did it. And it, I was very uh, apprehensive because it was going in front of giant glass windows. And I... I had like one inch in between the windows to attach stuff to. And it was like nerve wracking that uh, I didn't know if it was going to work. So it was actually, I drove it down there in a rental truck and the construction crew installed it and it worked. I was like so happy. <laughs> what a relief. Yes. Because I didn't know, you know. I know, I know the perfect... Hanging anything on the wall is easy. Hanging it in front of giant windows, windows. was uh, eight four by eight foot windows is oh my god stress but I'm, i did it you know cause yeah <laughs> i know the perfect I, uh emoji you know. for that so the it, challenge is great um i'm gonna give your website and i hope to have you back in the future steve zaluski for the hot studio segment underwritten by peconic landing um zaluski sculpture studios.com for more from steve I'm Gianna Volpe. Here's the rest of Bob Dylan's Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Gazing to the future, riding on the Jack of Hearts. The hanging judge come in, unnoticed and was being wined and dined. The drilling in the wall kept up, but no one seemed to pay it any mind. It was known all around that Lily wore Big Jim's ring, and nothing would ever come between Lily and the king. No, nothing ever would, except maybe the Jack of Hearts. Lily washed her face, took her dress off, and buried it away. Has your luck run out? She laughed at him. Well, I guess you must have known it would someday. Be careful not to touch the wall. There's a brand new coat of paint. I'm glad to see you're still alive. You're looking like a saint. 
down the hallway footsteps were coming for the jack of hearts. The backstage manager was pacing around by his chair. There's something funny going on, he said. I can just feel it in the air. He went to get the hanging judge, but the hanging judge was drunk. As the leading actor hurried by in the costume of a monk, there was no actor anywhere better than the Jack of Hearts. Lily's arms were locked around the man that she dearly loved to touch. She forgot all about the man she couldn't stand who hounded her so much. I've missed you so, she said to him, and he felt she was sincere. But just beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. It was just another night in the life of the Jack of Hearts. No one knew the circumstance, but they say that it happened pretty quick. The door to the dressing room burst open and a cold revolver clicked. And Big Jim was standing there, you couldn't say surprised. Rosemary right beside him, steady in her eyes. She was with Big Jim, but she was leaning to the jag of hearts. Two doors down, the boys finally made it through the wall And cleaned out the bank safe It said that they got off with quite a haul By the darkness on the riverbed They waited on the ground For one more member who had business back in town But they couldn't go no further Without the jack of hearts The next day was hanging day, the sky was overcast and black. Big Jim lay covered up, killed by a penknife in the bag. And Rosemary on the gallows, she didn't even blink. And the hanging judge was sober, he hadn't had a drink. The only person on the scene missing was the Jack of Hearts. Cabaret was empty now, his sign said closed for repair. Lily had already taken all of the dye out of her hair. She was thinking about her father, who she very rarely saw. Thinking about Rosemary and thinking about the law. But most of all, she was thinking about the Jack of Hearts.
thanking the listeners of the heart of the East End for their patience as I commit the or committed the unforgivable sin of cutting into a Bob Dylan track. I've got the Fab Four, followed by Akon and Conway Twitty. You never know what you'll get here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, the heart of the East End. The weekday morning and midnight show, the heart of the East End on WLIWFM. Mr. Lonely, I, 
had a girl that could take the things that you've been through Never thought the day would come where you would get up and run And I would be out chasing you Cause ain't nowhere in the globe I'd rather be Ain't no one in the globe I'd rather see Than the girl of my dreams that made me be So happy but now so lonely So lonely Mr. Lonely I have nobody For my own So lonely Mr. Lonely I have nobody For my own girl Never thought that I'd be alone I didn't think you'd be gone this long I just want you to call my phone So stop playing girl and come on home Baby girl I didn't mean to shout I want me and you to work it out I never wish to ever hurt my baby
little Conway Twitty Lonely Blue Boy after Akon's Lonely, leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour with Joni Mitchell. The title track from her 1971 record will lead you out of the NPR news break and the local news update. A little Miles Davis blue in green from the kind of blue record of 59, the same year that Conway Twitty recorded Lonely Blue Boy. We've got Bonnie Light Horseman after that, Green Rocky Road featuring Eric D. Johnson, Anais Mitchell, and Josh Kaufman. I am Gianna Volpe. This is Joni Mitchell, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you are staying tuned, hopefully, to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Your song from me. 